We are, uh, this morning, we're, we're sharing about something that I think is going to be really good and a challenge, and hopefully something that kind of stirs some thoughts for every single one of us. But as we get into it, I think if you don't know us super well, uh, those who do know that we're not really the same. There's some, there's some differences between the two of us uh, on, a, on a very regular basis. You can, you can come up with a thousand ways that we are different yeah. as a couple. We talk about financially, we're a little bit different, right? I like to save and he likes to spend. Yeah, not the case. <laughs> not true. Okay, so that's one of the things that we don't <laughs> But I am grateful for. <laughs> exactly. We have, uh, when it comes to cleaning, we have different understandings of what clean means, right? And how many have a different opinion? For Maybe all men have a different understanding of what clean <laughs> means. I don't know. No offense, men, but I break things because it looks neat, it's clean. I'm like, that doesn't actually work. Just because it looks neat doesn't it's, mean it's clean. Nah. As long as, if you squint and it looks clean, you're fine, Right. <laughs> I think that's how it works, You right? need to squint when you walk into his office. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You totally do. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, Amber likes to work out. I pretend like I like to work out, but really I like ice cream. That's what I like. I don't like to work that out. That is true. Amber works out all the time. And then another way that we're different, if you know us, uh, I am an introvert. I, talk, you know, I joke around the fact that I'm a high-functioning introvert, you know, because I can fake it pretty good, and I'm good with people, and I'm, I'm really good at connecting, but like I need that, like when Sunday's over, I need to go just sit by myself for a few minutes and like recoup a bit, you know? Amber is like the biggest extrovert you'll ever meet. Like she's just, yeah. uh, Energy, people give me energy. Clearly, exactly. I get excited when I see people and I knock coffee over. It's just kind of how it goes with me. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're different. I'm sure many of you can say that about yourself. Maybe you're married, you're not married. There's, there's people that you're like, people that you're not like. But there is one thing about Amber and I uh, that we share in common. That's one, one thing that we share a value together. Um, but there's a problem with it because it's an area that we oftentimes can, can struggle and maybe not give the attention that it deserves. And the same, I think, is true for every single person in this room. I would bet that every single one of us have something in common. There's a desire that we all have, and yet at the same time, we all struggle to give it the attention that it deserves. And so this is what we're going to talk about, we're going to dig in today, and I'm praying that God would speak to our hearts, that he would challenge us, and that he would kind of propel us forward as a church as we, as we look at this, all right? If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 11. 1 Chronicles chapter 11. Uh, if you don't know where that's at, check your table of contents, it's in there somewhere, okay? Um, but turn there. If you don't have a Bible, as always, we've got Bibles at the back table in the room, uh, you can always borrow one. If you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you. We encourage you to grab one of those Bibles. We'd love for you to have a Bible. Uh, but would you stand with me as we're going to read just a few verses together uh, this morning. First Chronicles chapter 11, beginning in verse number 15. It says this. Three of the 30 chiefs came down to David to the rock at the, ca uh, the cave of Adullam when a band of Philistines was encamped in the Valum of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate at Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out to the Lord. God forbid 
that I should do this. He said, should I drink the blood of these men who went at the risk of their own lives? Because they risked their lives to bring it back, David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that although things may have been written thousands of years ago, God, your desire through your word is to speak to us today. And there is a word for us today. So God, we open our ears to you. We open our hearts to you. We pray that you would speak to us. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Be seated. All right, this is the easy question. How many of you have heard of David from the Old Testament? Raise your hand. Okay, good job. How many of you have heard of David's mighty men? Okay, less of you, but some of you. That's good, okay? There's a, you know, we talked about warriors, there's chiefs, there's different words used, but there's this idea of David's mighty men. What is that? I think we all know David, David and Goliath. Everybody hears about David and all this. Um, but David was known as, you know, a guy of, of battle in, in Throughout the Old Testament, there's a number of situations where he goes into battle and he fights and and he's a victorious warrior in so many different ways. Um, But you'll also see that David is very rarely alone. David always has somebody with him. You're familiar with the story of David and Jonathan early on. Uh, One of the greatest relationships, friendships that you see in scripture actually is David and Jonathan. But I think even greater than that is this picture. What we just read has to do with his mighty men. Now, to understand this, I'm not going to go into all the details, but David, like, like I said, uh, was a man of battle. There was a lot of things, that, a lot of times where he had to fight, and he had a large group of men around him that fought with him. And a part of those men was what these uh, mighty men, there were 37 are listed in the Old Testament, these 37 men that were, came alongside him. These are guys that, when you read the stories, you can read around, around what we just read, just amazing stories of guys who did crazy things, just defeating people, you know, up against hundreds of men, defeating them by themselves. One guy taking a jawbone, just whacking a bunch of people. It's just crazy stories of these guys, these great military uh, fighters, right? Um, but even beyond the 37, there was what is known as the three, the three. He had these three that were alongside him. And they were, I mean, they were the next, above everybody. I mean, they were amazing, the things that they did. But what what strikes me is not the amazing things that they did. It was the way that they fought for one another. The heart that they had for one another. Because the story that we just read has to do with these three. What's going on? David's sitting, he's he's in the middle of a battle, you know. And he's sitting there and he's just, man, he's struggling. I just wish I could have a drink. I just wish I could have a drink of the water from Bethlehem. Right? And, and, you know, if I was sitting there and I'm like, okay, well, there's an army over there, like, I'd be saying, yeah, I wish I did too, right? <laughs> that would be awesome, right? Wouldn't it be cool? But they didn't say that. What do these three do? Say, all right, David's struggling. He's our leader. He's struggling. I'm going to do something about it, right? What did they do? They went and fought through the battle lines, fight through the battle lines, go get a drink of water for him. Now they got to fight their way back out of the valley to get it to him just so he could have a drink of water. And when David sees it, what does he say? I can't even drink this thing. I can't drink it. Why? It's too precious. Like it's actually too precious for me to drink. The only thing that I could do that would be of value is to pour it out as an offering before God. Because it's just, it is that valuable. These men have literally laid their lives down for me, right? And you look at it, and David, he's got this group of guys around him that are willing to do that for him. I mean, that's relationship. 
That's what community looks like. Because we think about David, and a lot of times we think about, oh, the, the guy who knocked down Goliath and the mighty warrior. And you think about this, this, this great independent man out there. And we value that kind of thing in our world, right? We value the people who go out there and pave their own path and make their own way. And we celebrate those types of people. But that's not really what David was like. David had a group around him that cared for him, that he cared for deeply. In our world, you know, we, we value, to some extent, independence. I know as parents, we value independence. Because our goal is that our children don't live with us someday, right? Like, I love my kids to pieces. I love them so much. But I hope they don't live with me forever, right? Like, we, we want some level of independence. But when it comes to relationships, it's different. My goal isn't absolute independence for my children. My desire is that they would have a desire for true relationship, right? But I think about our world because our world is increasingly growing relationally bankrupt. How I many know that to be true? We have lots of people that we see. We have lots of people that we come into contact with. There's, you know, you have jobs. Some of you got jobs. You go to work. You see lots of people. Some of you go to school, you see lots of people, you chit-chat with lots of people. We can come to church, and we chit-chat with lots of people, right? But here's a question. Who really knows you? Like, who really knows you, knows all about you? Not just the ideas, the thoughts, the pictures, the things you do, but really knows your heart. But even a better question, who do you really know? Yeah, we can have so many relationships that are just more like acquaintances. Because of social media, especially, we think we know people, right? A lot of you probably don't really know me, but you watch me on social media and you're like, oh, I know you, I know what you were doing, I know your kids and the ages of your kids, but you don't really know me. It's kind of like, like that neighbor that sits on their deck and they're trying to look over at the other person's deck and being that creepy neighbor without <laughs> actually going and saying hi and having a relationship with them. We, uh, as a society, function that way. And unfortunately, that happens in the church. We come in with a smile on our face, we say good morning, we sit down, we walk out the door, and we have no relationship with anybody. And here's the thing that Greg and I are so passionate about is, where is the one place community should be so strong? Yeah. It's the church. Yeah. And we will do everything we can to teach that, to model that, to show this is, that is our heartbeat. That is our heartbeat of Zoe Church, is that this is a community. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And, you know, for the church, I think there's some things that actually fight against this whole idea of community. What's one of the phrases that we use on a regular basis? We have people, uh, we want to see you have a personal relationship with Jesus, right? Have you ever heard that before in church? You have a personal relationship with Jesus? Yeah, I have a personal relationship. How is your personal relationship with Jesus? Oh, it's very good right now, you know. And we use the phrase, and that's good, but you know why we use that? It's because it fights against this mentality that says, oh, it's a religious thing. This is just a going through the most, and just a ritual. No, it's none of those things. It's a personal, and that's good. Love it. We all need a personal relationship. But unfortunately, that language makes us think, oh, it's just about me and, me and Jesus. That's it. Like, I just... I come to church, like I come on a Sunday morning, I come and I got to sit in my chair so I can, I hear from the Lord, I have this time where I get to worship with the Lord, and then I can kill, carry on with my life. And although, although we need a personal relationship, that's not the picture that we see in scripture for what the church is supposed to be like, is it? 
Just a bunch of bodies, warm bodies showing up to a room together so that they can have their personal relationship with Jesus. What, is the, what does the New Testament talk about the family of God? It refers to us as a body. We're a body, right? Some of you out there are like, you're like, you're like biceps, you know? Some of you are like, you know, big old noses. Some of you are pinky toes. You get stubbed all the time. Like, I don't know what it is. We all are a different part. But here's the reason I like the idea of a body is because there's an interconnectedness, an interdependency that exists within a body. The, the New Testament talks about this. That, listen, I, you know, that I can't tell another part of the body, I don't really need you, right? We need one another. And when it comes to the church, this is what we should look. We should look like a body that cares for one another. Not a bunch of people that just simply show up on Sundays, but a group of people like David and his mighty men who will go to bat for one another, who know each other, know the deepest yearnings of one another's hearts, are there to support one another. Oh, oh we need it for ourselves, but guess what? We need to also be those who are giving that to other people. And, and we see that when you look at Jesus and the way he interacted with his disciples, you see him interacting in a deep, in a real way of challenging, of confronting of, of wrestling with things in a very real way. And I think that's what we need within the church body. Yeah, you know, I think it's one thing. We walk in the building, church building and we feel like people say this to me all the time. You're always smiling. Well, usually I'm smiling because I'm actually a happy person. But if I'm not good, I have that freedom to say, you know, it's been a long week. Things are hard. And if we're people and we're part of the body, that's what we embrace with one another. We say, hey, what's going on? I want to walk through that. And, you know, great, we're not just saying, like, you guys need community. All of you get in community. Greg and I need community. We need people that rally around us. We need people in our lives that are going to speak truth into us. And we have seen how that has been such a precious fruit to our lives, that that is what we want to see for a church moving forward. Um, When's the last time that you actually sat down with somebody and had a meaningful conversation with them? Maybe you told them what was going on in your life or, or you didn't tell them what was going on in your life and you sugarcoated things because you were afraid. Well, what if I tell them how I really am? You need those people in your life that will love you for whatever's going on no matter what you say to them. No matter what you have going on, no matter what you carry with them, you need those people in your life. Yeah, let me ask you a question. Like, uh, how many of you are busy? Oh, okay. So here's the... Here's None the, of us. None of you are busy. Good. See, here's so this the, is going to be super easy for you. No, here's the problem. Like, we're all yeah. busy, right? Yeah. And like, Amber and I, we value relationship because we've seen how important it is. We see scripture reveal how crucial it is for our faith. If we're going to live this thing out, we need deep relationship. Here's the problem. Life is busy. And unfortunately, this is the problem that we all face, is that we can know this, we can all sit around and say, yep, Greg, we all need a relationship, that's good. And we don't do anything about it. We don't take the time, we don't make the space, we don't make it the important thing that it is, and we just carry on with our lives, living in all of these acquaintances, feeling good because we're creeping on people's life on social media and feeling like we know them. But we don't, there's this deep hurt in our heart because we don't have the relationships that we need. Young people, you understand this because you look around at other people and you're like, nobody really knows what's going on in my heart right now. Like nobody knows what I'm struggling with in my mind right now and I can't, I don't really like I have anybody I can share it with, right? Like I know it's going to start getting quiet because I got a feeling all of us have those feelings. I can have those feelings at times. Like 
don't, ah, who do I talk to about this? Like, we desperately need relationship, but we don't always make the space for it. Yeah, and if we don't have those people in our life, who's holding us accountable for the way that we're living our life? Yeah. We let our things like our job or other things take over, and then you have nobody in your life to hold you accountable. And teenagers, I'm going to speak to you really fast. You need people in your life that are going to speak truth into you, hold you accountable, and lead you in the right direction that follows the Lord. Yeah. Because if you don't have that, when push comes to shove, you're going to stray away. Yeah. I can say it from speaking from experience. You need people that are going to say, hey, I want to help you with your walk with the Lord. I want to come alongside you. I want to be there for you. And we all need that. If we don't have people that are holding us accountable and speaking into our life, things are going to get really messy really fast yeah. without maybe even realizing it. Yeah. 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 So what we're going to do here is uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to give some space. I want you to pull out your notes if you can. Um, and you're going to want to write some things down, and I'm going to invite you to write some things down. We're going to go through some areas of our lives that we need people. And what I'm going to pray over the next few moments is I'm going to, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit reveals whether or not this is an area of your life where you have people or you don't. And also, if there are areas of your life where you are actually helping other people in these areas or you aren't. And my, my desire and my hope is that the result will be that God will draw us deeper into community. And so what, here's the question that I'm going to ask. Who do you have in your life? All right? We're going to go through a, things, a few things here. The first point is this. Who do you have in your life to encourage you? Who do you have in your life to encourage you? I'm not saying who do you have in your life to compliment you. That's fine. I'm asking who do you have in your life to encourage you? We all got plenty of people that discourage us, Right? We all got the person at work, we got the mother-in-law, we got the whoever it is that discourages us, right? Right? Who do you have in your life that encourages you, that actually supports you, that lifts you up, right? And this is in so many different ways. Sometimes it's emotionally. Sometimes it's, it's you know, just you're struggling with things, the different thoughts in your mind. You need somebody to just lift you up that way. But sometimes it can be very, very practical, yeah, you know, as Greg and I were reading through this and thinking of times in our own life, we're going to share personal stories with you guys. And we share those to, to encourage you not to be like, whoa, we got great, we do have great friends, but like, it's just been such a blessing in our life. And one of the things that I want to say before I even jump into this is uh, a lot of people look at people in ministry, especially, and say, I have heard it spoken to me of like, oh, ministry's lonely good luck, or you, you have to take on everybody else's problems so you can't talk to anybody else. And I want to say this, uh, I will never be lonely in ministry because I have a tribe around me that will be always, they always speak into my life. They always show up, even in my deepest, darkest moments, even when I'm the ugliest I've been. And so I want to say that to you of like, you don't need to seclude and isolate yourself. People want to surround you. People want to encourage you. Um, Greg and I have many times where we can, we have many stories where people have encouraged us. But one of the things in my life that really has always stood out to me is uh, I was put on bed rest with our second child, um, Asher, who gives me a run for my money to this day. And he gave me a run for the money while I was on bed rest. And Immediately, I was, I, I was put on strict bed rest for 13 weeks. I couldn't 
get up, I got to decide if I wanted to take a shower or eat a meal at the table um, with my family. And I remember in that moment, my independence was kind of stripped away from me because I did everything myself and nobody did anything for me. And uh, I also remember thinking like, how am I gonna get through this? Because like, what's gonna happen? And guess what happened? People showed up that were in my life. People came and I had one friend who I didn't really know her at the time, actually. We had just started attending a life group together and she had three babies of her own and she would come every single morning and fold my laundry, put it all away, sweep the floor, clean my bathrooms, empty my dishwasher, make us, me lunch, and then she'd leave and go to her busy life. And every single day for 13 weeks, I literally don't know if maybe the weekends she didn't come, but she was there to serve me and encourage me in one of the hardest moments of my life. And she is now one of my best friends that has continued to show up for me time and time again. But that's, I don't know what we would have done without a community of people. Yeah. I don't know what we would have done. And there are so many different stories that we could, I could sit up here and tell all morning long, but Greg will for sure cut me off, so <laughs> I will let him go. <laughs> but that's the question. Who do you have in your life to encourage you? Yeah. Who do you have? If, you, if you've got some names, I'd encourage you to write them down. If you don't, it might say, hey, this, this is an area of my life where maybe I'm, I'm, I'm lacking in relationship a little bit. I maybe don't have the community, and maybe that's why I'm feeling a little discouraged. Maybe that's why I'm feeling a little alone. I may need to take a step uh, to change some of those things, okay? Second thing, who do you have in your life to challenge you? Who do you have in your life to challenge you? It's one thing to encourage you and say, you know, and, uh, you know say, hey, we... I think you can do better. I think you're stronger than that. It's another thing to say, hey, you can do better than that. You need to. I want to push you a little bit. I want to push you. How many of you have ever had like a trainer? Anybody ever had a personal trainer for working out before? Okay. Uh, sometimes Amber yells at me when I'm working out. That's about as close to a trainer as I've ever had. Yep. Keep up, buddy. Keep up. <laughs> you're slow, Greg. Hurry up. No, but like I've never had a trainer, but why do you hire a trainer? Because they will push you further than you will push yourself. And if we don't have people in our lives that are actually challenging us, then how many of you know we are lower than what we could be? We are less of, of a father. We are less of husbands. We are less of men. We are less of women. We are less of followers of Christ than we could be if we have somebody challenging us, pushing us, right? Every single one of us needs that. And here's the problem. Challenging has to take a little intentionality. Like it just doesn't happen on accident, Right? Well, you know, for us guys, I think about us guys. We, I just had a conversation with some of my buddies because here's what happens is I, I was realizing that we were in a season where I don't think there was a lot of challenging going on. We get together and we tend to just talk about stuff in life and just chit-chat, but we weren't really pushing each other. And I was like, you know what? I'm feeling like I want to I be challenged and I want to be challenging. So it's taking a little intentionality on our part to make that happen, right? It doesn't always just happen. Yeah, and that's where accountability plays in and yep. someone who is um, pouring into your life spiritually. Uh, I kind of, kind of, I did just go through a season that was rough. It was hard for me. You know, we were going through a lot of unknowns. We were making a big life decision to leave what we knew, what was comfortable for years and years. And I needed, 
I needed people to rally around me in that moment. I needed people to speak truth into my life. I needed those friends that would send me verses, that would send me songs to listen to when I had nothing left. When I was like, God, I just want to hear your voice because I don't know why you're taking us down this path. Those were the friends that were speaking truth into me. And just a couple weeks ago, I, I, it actually was here on a Wednesday night. I'm, if you know me, I'm super honest, right? So I'm going to be super honest with you. I was having one of those days. It was a Wednesday night, first Wednesday, um, worship night. I probably was mad at Greg. I don't know. I think I was, actually. Um, we're, we sometimes get mad at each other. Uh, I just was feeling like, God, what, I'm so ill-equipped for this, like for ministry, for being a mom, for being a wife, and I had a friend, uh, Sally, and I wasn't going to say her name, and I just did, sorry, Sally, <laughs> she just gave me a look too, and she came up to me, and she put her arm around me, and she prayed for me. She had no idea what was going on that day, she had no idea the pain, the the yuck I was feeling and facing that I wasn't even going to come to a worship night because I didn't feel like it. And she came and she prayed and she spoke truth into me. And those are the kind of people that we need in our life. Yeah. And those are, I love it because even when she doesn't know, God told her, you need to go pray for her. She's your friend. Get over there and you pray for her. Yeah. And that's what, I, that's what the body of Christ should look like. Yep. Yep. It's good. So who do you have? Who do you have in your life that, that challenges you, challenges you. I encourage you, as we're going through this, write the names down. And if you don't have a name to write, God may be speaking something to you, okay? Third one, who do you have in your life to confront you? Who do you have in your life to confront you? Who do you have in your life that literally can smack you around if you need it? Who can call you out on your stuff if you need it? This is one that I, I think if we're real... Uh, for those who are married in the room, my guess is that's someone who, t who generally will call some things out in your life. That's, uh, that's one of the beautiful parts. I actually parts. hate that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> but we will. Like that, that's part of marriage. They say marriage is an, a nice big old mirror for you, you know, <laughs> to point some things out in your life. But we need people. I need people outside of Amber who are going to call me out on stuff. I need people outside of Amber that will confront me if they see something, if they see an incorrect attitude, an incorrect response, uh, a, a behavior, a, a, a priority in my life that's out. Like, I need people to confront me. We need people to confront us. But there, that requires a level of relationship that is far deeper than just a casual acquaintance, right? And so who do you have in your life to confront you? We're going to keep moving here because I don't want to run out of time here, okay? Um, I'm so, telling too long of stories. No, I you're telling sorry. great stories. You're amazing. <laughs> right answer. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. All right. Write it down. Who do you have in your life? Do you have anyone in your life that could, that could confront you, that knows you well enough, that has a, a deep enough relationship with you that they can call you out on something? It. And you'll accept it. Okay? All right, cool. Let's go to point number four. Who do you have in your life to party with you? Listen, faith shouldn't be boring. Like, I think life, joy is multiplied in relationship. Like, when you have something really great happen in your life, and there's nobody around, what's the first thing you're thinking? Who can I tell? Right? 
I want to tell it. Why? Because it's more fun when I get to tell somebody. I should be able to share it with someone. That's the goal. God's desire for you is that you have people to party with. Listen, Jesus was the fun guy. Everybody wanted to hang out with him. It wasn't because he was boring guy. He cared about them deeply, but they could have fun together. But here's the problem. And teenagers, I need you to listen to me. Teenagers, look at my eyes for a second. Here's the deal. Too often, and adults, you need to hear this as well. Too often, this is where we start. The relationships in our lives, we're looking for who do we like to have fun with. If we bypass the first three and jump to right here, guess what? We're in trouble. Because you got a bunch of people around your world that you like, that you have fun with, that you hang out with, but they're not there to encourage you, they're not there to challenge you, and they're not going to confront you. Right? And we got a lot of fun. Oh, we have so much fun. Oh, that's my girl. We have fun. Oh, great. Is your girl taking you the right place? She might not be. Okay? And I love, this is easy. You, some of you parents are like, kids, I hope my teenagers listen. You parents do the same things. We do the same things. We surround ourselves with people that we want to party with, but we forget, do I have the other people in my life? Okay? All right. Well, those same people that you party with can be doing the other things in your life. And they should be. If your tribe is healthy, if your people in your life are healthy, and something that we have loved is we don't have family here, and we have friends that are our family. And we celebrate the things that, uh, we celebrate baptisms, we celebrate baby dedications together, we celebrate birthdays together, we celebrate new jobs together. And here's the thing, we celebrate and we do not get jealous over what that person has to celebrate over. Because it's easy to look at someone and be like, oh, they got a new job. Oh, lucky them. No, like, let's celebrate that. And uh, for us, I can say this past year, our group of friends has shown me more than any other time in my life that they are there to cheer us on in our corner at all seasons of life. And they are people that will celebrate with us in everything that happens. Those are the people you want. Those are the people you want. Yep, that's good. So who do you have in your life to party with, to celebrate with, right? Are they the right people? <laughs> All right, let's go to the last one, point number five. It says, who do you have to cry with you? Who do you have in your life to cry with you? And I'm going to, I'll share a story here as we close. Like, uh, we need to have the people that can do all the other stuff. But honestly, we need somebody at times that can just be there when we need it. I can look across this room and I can see some of you who've seen me cry because I've been in pain or I've been hurting. Uh, several years ago, or I've just been emotional, as Amber just said. <laughs> he was very emotional this last year. I so was. a lot of people saw him cry. A lot of people saw me cry. That's true. <laughs> That's a good thing. Uh, but about, you know was it nine years ago, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, okay? And uh, I haven't got into lots of details about that for me, but during that season, that particular season, was a very challenging season. For about three months, I was in a lot of pain most of the time. And, uh, and it, was a, it was a challenging time. And I like to hide it. I like to pretend like I was tough and I was okay, but I was in a lot of pain a lot of the time. And there was one day that I think about specifically um, I was in, uh, this was when I was at a previous church and serving there, and I was, uh, I was in my office. I turned my light off because I hoped nobody would see that I was in there because I was in my office just crying. And I'm, I'm sitting at my desk just crying because it hurts so bad. 
and um, my boss at the time, who is like a father to me, and he is one of these people that does all of these things for me, um, he walked into my office because uh, he, he like looked around and he like always go in people's office. He looked in and, and he sees me sitting there and he, he walks in and he just sees me crying. And I didn't need to be encouraged right then. I, I didn't need him to say anything. I really didn't need him to pray with me right that moment. Like, and he knew it. He knew he didn't need to say anything. And so he walked in, he saw me, he said, Greg, I'm sorry. And he stood there and he just cried with me. His eyes welled up and he just stood there. And we didn't have to talk. I didn't need him to talk to me. We've already been through this. Like, we get it. We know where we're at. I just need to know you're with me. And, like, you're feeling what I'm feeling. Like, that I'm not alone in this. And all of us need that in our lives. Some of us men, we like to act like we're tough and we don't need that. We do. Maybe you don't cry the same way I cry. Maybe you're not emotional like I am. But I, I think we all need that in our lives. There are people who can feel what we're feeling and be there with us. Right? I, think, I don't think of a friend isn't just somebody who looks at us down and we've fallen in a hole and they're like, oh, that stinks. There's somebody who crawls into the hole with us. And hopefully they help pull us out, but they start by getting in there, into the mud and the ick. Who do you have in your life that is willing to do that with you? Do you have anyone in your life like that? And here's the deal. It doesn't just happen in life. It requires intentionality. It requires effort. You might say, I don't have anybody like this. You're talking about all this stuff. I wish I had all that stuff, but I don't have anyone in my life like that. Here's the hard part. It's going to take a move on your part. It doesn't just happen. And I want to close here this morning with this. And this is our big so what this morning. We always say, so what? What's the point of this thing? Here's the big so what. Personal doesn't mean alone. If you want to have a personal faith, it's great. It can't be alone. You cannot do this faith thing. You were never intended or meant to do this faith thing on your own. God created you for relationship. He created you for connection. He created people to surround you, to lift you up when you couldn't stand on your own, right? You go through all of scripture over and over and over again. You see scripture where people needed one another, where they needed one another to lift them up, to encourage them, to challenge them, to confront them, to party with them, to cry with them. They needed that. And you need the same thing. But it isn't just going to happen because you say, I hope it happens. It's going to take a step on your part. Right? It's going to take saying, God, I, I am willing to be this for someone else. I'm not just going to sit around and wait for somebody to do all these things for me. I'm going to begin to do those for someone else. I'm going to be the answer to someone else's prayer request. And the result is, you're going to be blessed in the process. God's going to meet you. He will meet your needs. But we have to step out. We have to say, God, I will value the things that you value. I will put those things first. We say around here that, that we want to embrace the struggle of life, right? And struggle, embrace the struggle of faith. It takes other people to do that. I can't just sit by myself and just say, I'm embracing my struggles. Because we need people to like, hey, you're struggling. I'm going to help you a little bit. I need to pick you up. Smack you around a little bit because you need it right now. You know, whatever it is. Like, you need those people. If we're going to be this kind of church, if we're going to be the kind of community that we feel called, if we're going to experience real life, it has to happen 
together. Real life together. The life God has available to us was not meant just for you by yourself. It is meant for you in community. And God is calling us to that. So this morning is a very pointed and a very focused uh, challenge. Uh, because today we're launching small groups. And you'd say, well, okay, well, that's really convenient. You're right, because we're going to preach about what's important. And this is important, okay? And the challenge that we have for you here this morning is simply this, is that, that you would step into deeper community. I'm going to stop there, because some of you, you already have relationships. They've just been living in the shallows. And God might call you to say, you know what, we need to take this thing a little deeper. We need to begin to talk about the things. You know what, I have this friend, and I'm not, like Amber said, they know what's going on, but they don't really know what's going on. And I need to start being honest about that, because I need it. You know what, they need it too. Okay? So that may be the step for some of you, but for many of you, here's the step. Step into deeper community by signing up for small groups today. Immediately following service today, we've got right over here, We've got 12 groups. I think 10 of them are launching for the very first time today. We have some amazing small group leaders around here. What's a small group? It's a group of 6 to 12 people that meet on a regular basis, most of them uh, twice a month, for the purposes of building relationship, encouraging each other in our faiths, and then being able to be there to pray for one another. Okay? And here's the deal. Some of you, you're like, man, that would be super awkward go sign up for a group with people I don't know. Here's why we want to do this. Today, all of the group leaders are going to be out there in the lobby, sitting at tables. There's signs to make it very clear. When you walked in, you got, hopefully got a piece of paper that explained all the different groups. Okay, you'll be able to walk around and find out if there's a group leader that isn't weird to you, okay? And then sign up for that group, okay? You don't, you none, wear of none, none, none of them, of are, them are weird. We vetted them all. None of them are weird, Okay. We didn't let any weirdos lead groups. No, we got great leaders, great groups that are available to you. But I want to say this, okay? Because you're going to say, yeah, but that's, Greg, you have these deep relationships, right? You've got these close relationships. That's why you're so full and fulfilled. Like, those have been happening your whole life, right? Guess what? Our closest relationships right now were absolute strangers about six or seven years ago when we walked into a small group. This isn't theory for us. This isn't like, oh, this is a good idea for you, but I don't really need this. Guess what? We needed it. And we stepped into a group with some people we didn't know. And the end result is they are the, the closest relationships in our life to this day. And I honestly believe this isn't an overstatement. I honestly believe that some of you are going to step into a small group today. And a year, two, three years from now, you're going to look back and say, those are the most important relationships in my life. And I am so glad I took a step. All right? I'm going to invite you to stand up with me across the room. Our group leaders are going to head out into the lobby right now. And uh, I'm going to pray over us, and I'm going to give you an opportunity just simply to go. Uh, today we've got our uh, child, all the kids, Z-Kids stuff is all going to stay running until 1130. They're going to they're gonna keep your kids till 1130. So you got an extra 15, 20 minutes here uh, before you need to worry about getting your kids. Go have some conversations. Find out if there's a group that you might want to be involved in. I would really challenge you to take that step because you are not just doing it for you. You might be the answer to someone else's prayer request. Okay? 
But at the end of the day, the goal isn't small groups. The goal is community. The goal is that we would be a church that actually operates like a church. This isn't a preaching center that you show up to and listen to me and Amber talk once a week. This is a community that we get to be a part of, but it takes us taking a step together, all right?